Seven Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Ruschak. Today's show is brought to you by the ATS Network, Think Big. And our wonderful guest today is Larry Center. Welcome. Thank you. Now you have the book out, Like No Other Boy. This is on Kindle and I believe in print. Right. Where did you come up with the idea for the story? Well, uh, I was watching a Today Show interview with a, a primatologist, and he was talking about possibly using chimps in a therapy with autistic children. And it just kind of, the idea hit me that, of course, it's a novel. And I was thinking, what if there was an autistic boy who was kind of like a savant who could somehow communicate with chimps, you know, in a genius fashion that would make him like no other boy, basically. So I uh, just came up with that idea. So you basically took Dr. Doolittle, narrowed <laughs> it down to one species instead of all species, mm -hmm. and had the hero of the story as an autistic child, yeah. which is wonderful because it's near and dear to my heart. My daughter's mm -hmm. autistic. Okay. So. <laughs> wow. And uh, I spent about 10 years writing it because I didn't even know anything about, you know, writing novels. Mm -hmm. but I just had to write it for some reason. I couldn't even let it go. So it just, I learned so much about writing and, you know, 10 years of rewriting and <laughs> finally finished it. And I showed it to a freelance, well, they have freelance editors, you know, people, professional people mm -hmm. who can read your novel. And she, I found one who had an autistic child too. So I thought she would have, you know, some resonance with it because and I said, well, what do you think of this? You think it's any good? And she read it and she said, I think you've written a masterpiece. She just was amazed by how good it was. She was crying and she said it just opened up her, everything about her was right there in the book. It's like she read, I read her mind practically on all the ways of raising autistic children and uh, what she had to go through and all that. And so she showed it to a, a father who has an, had an autist, has an autistic boy and he read it and he said I stayed up all night reading and I couldn't put it down I hadn't done that since I read Hunt for Red October by Thomas Clancy so I was getting all this good feedback you know so at that point I decided to get a literary agent and you know see what what would happen so I found one and she sent it around to all the you know major publishing mm -hmm. companies but they weren't really interested in it so well not all big publishing companies are interested in everything otherwise we wouldn't have the world of indie authors right <laughs> which it's is a, good it's we a also kind of book mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i mean they have oh you need to have a following you have to have there's so many things with big publishing uh -huh. that you have to go through where if you find a smaller press publisher or even an indie publisher or do your yourself, you're free to make more choices. Right. So I ended up, they, they were just not interested in it because it's too non-marketable. Like a, it's not a romance, it's not a thriller. Mm -hmm. So, but I put it on Amazon and, and it's done really well. I've gotten a lot of good, you know, five-star reviews and people seem to be very happy with it, so. 
Oh, I'm seeing about 84 five-star reviews right now. So it, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's done really well. And I'm just, it's very rewarding to read the reviews that like one lady says, I thought to me, this was the novel of the decade, you know, things like that. So I was just really ha happy about it. And I'm hoping more people read it and get more reviews and slowly kind of maybe move up the charts that way. It kind of come, you know, some days it comes and goes, so. Oh yeah, I mean, the Amazon algorithm that mm -hmm. we call it, of how they do this book ranking and how we find our books, find that next author that we want to read is a little bit tr tricky to navigate mm -hmm. as a publisher, as an author, as anything. But it's so rewarding when you have your number one in the divorce and separation uh, yeah. area, your number one in child advocacy. Yeah. This is one of those books. Yeah, it's a fictional book, but it has so many elements that is true to life that pulls on the hearts of so many. Yeah. It, um, it's, you would think it would just appeal to parents of autistic children but it really appeals to men women singles parents it, it seems to be a, a universal story that um just appeals to pretty much anybody i got a lot of male reviewers on there female reviewers you know young people who not even married and it just seems to it's a struggle story with a broken child basically so it it seems to resonate with a lot of people it does. If, even if you take the autistic part out of it or the savant part out of it, being raising a child in a single family household, just mm -hmm. that, that one element can touch so many. Right. It's a, it's a challenge. And I had one lady, I presented to a book club and one lady had a development, developmentally delayed child. And she said, it was like, reading this was like you were peering through my window as I raised my son. It's, she just like, she, I showed all the struggles that she had to go through that people with normal, quote, normal children, nobody's really normal, but. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Cause I was yeah. going to be like, wait, we have normal. What's normal? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there is no normal, but uh, you know, certain things that you, you just take for granted, like, it, the book starts out with taking the boy Tommy to the zoo and the father leaves the zoo after he, you know, he meets the chimps and all. And, and there's a car that the alarm goes off, creates a loud sound which startles Tommy and it makes him go into a meltdown right there in the parking lot. And the father is like, I should have put, I should have brought my earplugs. I didn't, for the boy, I didn't bring earplugs. And, you know, should I get my, my blanket out of the trunk and try to calm them with that. And so it takes them about 20, 30 minutes to calm them down right in the parking lot. And it just shows the struggle of, of raising, you know, somebody who has sensitivities and, you know, delays a little bit. And, uh, and then it also shows his, I show another section where the boy, Tommy, uh, comes to meet through primatologists get them together with an advanced chimp who is fictionally portrayed as some, a chimp with kind of a savant ability too. 
in terms of communication with humans. So the two get together in this, you know, momentous event. And when you meet this chimp, his name's Albert, and they bring the boy in and Albert's painting on an easel. Mm -hmm. So the boy, you know, interprets for the primatologist what the chimp is trying to portray. So it shows that the boy has, you know, problems, but he also has huge uh, savant side that, you know, it's kind of like the brain when it gives you one genius talent, it kind of takes away from something else. Of course. Uh, you always have balance within our bodies, everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're deficient in one area, you're overly achieving in another. Right. Just balance. Mm -hmm. And then we have our autistic children that are born wonderful and they have their extreme talents it could be in writing mathematics whatever it is but to the outside world unless you're living with that child you don't right. understand the struggles that we go through every day right so from what i understand people who see for me i never had an i'm no know any autistic i didn't know any autistic children but people seem to think this was a memoir. It's written so realistically that people always ask, surely this happened to me, but it didn't. It didn't. I never really had these kind of, my kids were not autistic. So, but it, uh, it kind of like an advocacy novel for autistic parents that had what they have to go through. So I had one lady that, you know, she was so taken with the book that she t took it down to a local bookstore and you know, they've got some copies there of it. And, you know, she kind of advocates for the book. And it, so it really kind of strikes people at the heart, which. Those are the type. Yeah, those are exactly the type of books we need to be reading. Yeah. We need the ones that touch us in the heart, that right. give us the mindset to look beyond our own four walls of our house and see what the struggles of others. Right. I really. And. I didn't realize I read it, I, you know, put it away along. And then about six months ago, I just started to reread it. And boy, I got through like the second chapter and I go like, God, this is hard to read. It's so emotional. <laughs> and I had another lady who has a child on the spectrum. And she said, by chapter two, I was just sobbing. It's just so emotional. It's hard. It's really hard to get through in a way mm -hmm. But if you do get through it, you feel great at the end because it gives you a, a nice sense of hope and, you know, happiness. And so it's a real, it's a real interesting story that I hope more and more people can read. Well, we will do what we can to get the word out because I'm, yeah. I'm linked up with the autism community in my city. So mm -hmm. I would love to be able to share this with them and get their mm -hmm. feedback. And I'll probably right. reach out to them later on today or, you know, this week. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't need just the autism parents to read this. We need other parents. We need oh, the yeah. single moms, the single dads, the mm -hmm. grandparents raising the kids. We need people to read to get insight to today's children. Right. Well, it does feel like an advocacy book for mm -hmm. autism. It's something that, uh, you know, people can read and get hope from and inspiration and a kind of, you know, understanding 
Uh, and I, I'm not really sure how I wrote it in that it more like just came out of me. It kind of unfolded out of me. It didn't really, it wasn't like I, I'm such a great writer and I just wrote this. It kind of like more just came from within me somehow. I've written other novels and they're not nearly as good as this one. It's just, this is some kind of special novel that really, um, it's just once in a lifetime type. I'll never be able to write this kind of story again with this much emotion and universality. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, there are probably people out there who can do it two or three times, but I was lucky just to do it once. I just don't think I could. Sometimes. My other novels. Yeah, sometimes it's good to have lightning strike once and other times it's just a rainfall of lightning. <laughs> so Yeah, some people I'm sure could, I just, I resonated with it. It just seems like sometimes you just kind of, meet your purpose in life and this was my purpose to write this book for some reason I I can't understand it but well I know you're not writing another book like this but are you planning to write another book at all yeah I'm writing other books um they're totally not like this one unfortunately (laughs) but they're uh they're totally different and they have a lot of humor in them um and they're kind of I don't even know if I'll even publish them because I'm still working on them. And it, for me, it takes a long time to, to get it right where I feel like I can show it to people. So. Oh, I totally get that. I mean, as an mm-hmm. author myself, there's books that I'm holding on to that I started writing in 2003. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have other books that I published within six months of writing them. Yeah. So it just really depends on how the book resonates with me as an author before I'm ready to share it with the audience. Right. This idea just for some reason that just struck me so big. I'd never had such a lightning bolt strike and it's never been, I've never, you know, I've tried to think, think, think of another idea that would, is this big and I just can't do it. And you know, it's just, it doesn't it's, seem to come. It's not the thinking of the next novel. It's when inspiration hits us. Yeah. You were watching something that resonated within you. So you wrote what resonated within you. Right. It's the inspiration that we find from everyday life. Mm-hmm. It just happened. And, I, you know, of course, I'm always looking out for new ideas. And, mm-hmm. and I do have some. I've written three other novels and they're, you know, pretty good ideas. Like for instance, one is about, it's called, I call it personal training. It's about uh, a seat. It's kind of a humorous thing up a, a CEO who's overweight. And he has a heart problem and the doctor assigns him to a personal trainer. And she happens to be the personal trainer from hell <laughs> who, uh, stalks him into good health and he's he's trying to run away from her and she's a russian uh middleweight boxing champion of the world and and she doesn't let him go and it's called personal trains but it gets very personal so Mm -hmm. that's an awesome take on that yeah and that's that's the other way i think it's not all so you know it doesn't have to be all serious it can be fun it can be 
thrilling. It can be, you know, we don't just write in one genre. Yeah. Most authors, you think, well, we know Stephen King only writes horror. Mm -hmm. We know this. This has been proven over 20 plus books. Mm -hmm. And I know there's more than 20, but I'm not going to go into his repertoire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then you have other authors that write in two or three different genres. And they do it well. It just depends on the mindset of the author. Right. And I think having put this out, so many people would be expecting me now to write something similar. And they would probably be surprised if I don't do something similar and sad and heart-wrenching. But I I don't know if I could again. Because it really is hard to write something really heart-wrenching when you're doing yeah the heart-wrenching books if you're really going to write it it's going to take you 10 to 15 years to do it right because you're going to get into every single one of those emotions versus when you're writing something fun or flirty or fantasy or whatever you can write it Mm -hmm. within a year because you take away all the stronger emotions you're still making emotions in the book but it's not mm-hmm. a weepy, here's a box of tissues and a uh, box of chocolates while you're reading the book. Right. Yeah, it's a totally different type of book. So, and it's fun too. I enjoy writing that kind of book. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure how, how it's going to be received though. So it's hard to say. You have your readers that follow the author and will give you honest feedback on anything you write. Mm-hmm. And then you have your readers that are genre specific. Your genre specifics may or may not pick up your next book if it's not the weepy right. two books, you know. Right. Right. But exactly. they might and cross over into the genre. Mm-hmm. Other ones will read a chapter or two and say, it's not for me. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's, it's always a, art is a very, uh, subjective thing and I, I was surprised on this novel how many five-star reviews it seems usually I read a lot I mean if you go through the Amazon and look through the reviews of all the major novels etc mm-hmm. the you know the big they get the big hype and everything oh, yeah but when you go through the reviews it's like disappointed one you know uh, we get a lot of negative reviews mm-hmm. on them and, uh, but my novel, for some reason, and I'm very humbly grateful for it, but seems like 90, like 94, 95% are five and four stars. So it's just, it seems like a, I've never seen something that's so steadily producing five star reviews. It seems, you know, it's just. Yeah, you're 86% on five star by itself. Another yeah. 10% is your four stars. You're less than 4% on your three and two, and you have zero one-star reviews. That yeah. is a phenomenal book. You don't find mm-hmm. that even with your big multimedia, uh, big push blockbuster books. You don't find you that. Really do- you really don't. I've looked and most of them are in the 70% five-star. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have a lot of one-star, two-star. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty sure that if my next my next book will be in that way too, it probably will be, you know, one star, two star, three. The average book is usually like that. Mm-hmm. So um, but this one, and I think the lesson learned is that if you really wanna 
you know, write a, a five-star novel that's received, you know, in that way consistently, you need to really whack people over the head somehow. <laughs> you know, you can't just write like right. mediocre stuff. You got to really have some a real gut punch. You have to write with your gut what your gut yeah. and your mind is telling you. Right. You have to write the book in your vision and not go after your genres until you're at the end of the book. Then you yeah. fine tune it and you edit it and then you find your beta readers or your mm -hmm. editors and then you find out where your market is. Mm -hmm. If you're writing so for the market, you're not going to be writing for the market. You're going to be writing for money. Right. Unfortunately, the it seems the publishing industry they seem to want like a thriller that gets you turning the page or mm -hmm. a romance, but they don't want, see my novel is kind of like, it gets you turning the page. This is probably another reason why I think it's so well received is it gets people turning the page to see what happens. But as they're turning the page, they're weeping. <laughs> yeah. So it's really kind of an unusual thing. You don't, either you're weeping or you're turning the page, you know, for some thriller. But mm -hmm. to have it in combination is really kind of unusual, I think. It is. I mean, you're big, big stream made, um, publishers. Sorry, I want to go to media for some reason. They want yeah. those action turn the page. If you're not enthralled in it in the first 10 pages, they assume yeah. the reader is going to throw it away. They don't right. have the literary agents that go, wait, we're turning a page or a corner and giving the readers something different. Right. And you'll, you'll see a few breakout books that, like A Man Called Ove, I don't know if you know that book, but um, it's, it was a debut novel. It's done real well. And it's kind of that odd, quirky, you know, uh, human, human, humanitarian type novel. He, you know, it's a very touchy-feely novel. It doesn't have any thriller aspect but it's done real well they made a movie out of it so it does happen out there but it's pretty rare it is i mean back when chicken soup for the soul came out it was like mm -hmm. it's not going to be big but here we are 10 years later and that's how many books in the series yeah. wow. it's one of the bigger feel good touchy feely kind mm -hmm. of series yeah so that yeah t speaking of series that's probably another thing that if you can write a series that seems to help mm -hmm. you know your sales but this would not be a, this is not a series type novel i mean i could probably turn it into a, another sequel but it would be i don't think i want to do that no let the lightning that struck on this one rest yeah <laughs> i mean you could in 5 years go back and revisit okay i'm ready to sit down and tackle a sequel mm -hmm. But realistically, it doesn't need one. Right, it's a standalone for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, it's it's been fun writing it, and it's really been fun reading the reviews. I I flip through them a lot just to kind of read them. I'm always kind of waiting for the next review. Oh, isn't it wonderful when we get a new review? Oh yeah. Our readers reach out to us personally. Yeah. It, it's the, wonderful. Yeah, all, all of those are stranger. There, there may be one or two friends in there, but most, I mean, 
they're all just from out of the blue, just somebody from Indiana or somewhere has written a review. It's pretty, it's great to read. We read. love our readers. We love getting the feedback and it yeah. helps us grow as an author. Right. Speaking yeah. of, where can our listeners and our viewers find you? I'm on uh, authorlarryecenter.com. Okay. It's my website. That that's very easy to remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you book, by chance on social medias? No, I'm really not a social media hound. I don't really do much of that. I don't. I don't even have a Facebook page. You're one of the few authors that I I've met or talked to on the show that does not have some type of social media, but it's okay. Yeah. You have a website that readers can find you at. Yeah, and um, I just don't don't have it for. I never got into social media too much for some reason, but you can you I can see it. me on the website. So and it's and it's like no other boy. I call it L N O B for short, just to remember it. Mm-hmm. It's like no other boy is the mm-hmm. name. And uh, again, this is a wonderful book for parents, guardians, anyone that has a single family household or those that need to understand autism. Right. It really, um, it really goes into it. There's a website about a real father who raises an autistic boy. It's called Autistic, autistic Daddy or something like Autism Daddy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he, te- he recounts kind of day-to-day what he's going through and I learned a lot from reading that it was kind of eye-opening and I think he's writing a book about his experiences too so we do need these books as an autism mommy Mm -hmm. these books are instrumental I mean my daughter's older now so it doesn't really help me with raising her because she's already raised but at the same time to look back it's a window into everything I've gone through Mm -hmm and what others are still going through. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of books that are similar. There's one called Daniel Isn't Talking, which is about a mother raising an autistic child. And uh, there's one called The Reason I Jump, which is about autism. The big one is probably The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, mm-hmm. which they made a play about, um, but there's not a whole, there's not a whole lot of novels about that autism. There's really uh, not. And yeah. it's a shame because this is a time now where we need it and we need the understanding. Because mm-hmm. as an outsider, I see a child having temper tantrum. I just think the child's a brat. As a parent, seeing the child have a meltdown, mm-hmm. it takes on a completely different meaning. Right. Two perspectives, same child. Right. So it's it's a it's a good subject to learn about and it's amazing uh, how much there is to learn about it. it's a very interesting subject it so. is but we are almost out of time okay and again thank you so much for being on the show today well thanks so much for having me and again your website is author larry e center dot com right, right. and right. for all of our listeners and our viewers happy reading <laughs>